All right, friends, if you have a Bible or Bible app, open to Deuteronomy 6. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6. But before we get there, I want to do a public service announcement. Do you notice this stole made by an 80-some-year-old woman from Franklin County? What color is it? Camo. On the back, there's a deer. And some people don't like that. It says it's not liturgical enough. I say, find another church. Okay, like, if an 80-year-old lady gives me this and does it with her arthritic hands, I'm wearing it. But the reason I wear it today is to just remind you that deer are going to be chasing each other for the next month. Um, so this would not be a time to play on your phone while you're driving or to be thinking about other things. They're going to be darting across the road. In our family, we hit three deer in five years. And then the church got me a new car and I had it two weeks and we hit another deer. So all I'm saying is be awake, be alert. I love you. Be careful. Okay. Now let's dig into God's word. Deuteronomy 6. Here we go. Okay, so I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. Four points. I'm going to tell it, explain it a little bit, and then I'll tell you again. Okay? Is that a good way to learn? So in the military, they call it bluff. Does anybody know what that is? B-L-U-F. Bottom line, up front. Right. So you know what you're buying. Point number one of Deuteronomy 6. We are to know the commands or commandments of the Lord and keep them. We're to know the commands of the Lord and keep them so that, so that what? So that it may go well with us. See, God's actually fine. He's great. Whether you keep his commands or not, he's, he's really perfect. So it's not like you're doing this to help him out. It's actually you're doing it for yourself because his commands are not burdensome. They're life, right? They're life. He's warning us. He's encouraging us. He's teaching us. So know the commands of God, keep them so that it may go well. That's one. Number two, we are not polytheists. We don't believe in all kinds of gods like the Hindus. We don't believe the tree is a god. We don't believe the lizard is a god. We don't believe you're a god. We believe there's only one God, the most high, not made by hands. Right? There is one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, the Lord your God is one. We are monotheists. Now, a lot of the Jewish people, when they come to the Shema, which they say every week in synagogue, every week, when they read it, they go, see, that's proof that Jesus is not God. Hero Israel, the Lord, the Lord your God is one. And I get it. I get where they're coming from. But what I would say is, like Jesus said to the Pharisees, it's like they had the scriptures memorized, but they did not know them. They didn't know them. That's what Jesus said. You don't even know your own scriptures. And what I will tell you is, in the Old Testament, there are whisperings that you can hear. There's foreshadowing, but there's definitely whisperings that God is one, but he's also, while he's one, he's also in a fellowship of, of three, three persons in the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay, so we're not monotheists. Uh, we are monotheists who believe in one God, but we see in Scripture that he is one God in three persons. We'll get there. Number three, it's not enough to have head facts because um, a lot of people can memorize Bible, right? You could teach a parrot to memorize scripture. You, you literally could teach a parrot to uh, say more scripture than most of us know. Um, but what the scripture is calling us to do in, in, in the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, is to actually love the Lord. See, without love, it counts for nothing. We're not just to be here to, 
do good and remember scripture. We're here to actually love the Lord and be in relationship with him. And fourth point, we are, one of the ways we, we do love God is that we step into that good work he has prepared for us to walk in. So we're not saved by doing these things, but before the foundation of the earth, he prepared good works for us to walk, walk in. After he makes you a son or a daughter, you walk in these things. And it says, we are to teach God's commands diligently to our children. And especially as we walk through our daily lives and we see things, uh, we teach them about the kingdom of God. Okay, so know the commands of God and keep them so it may go well with you. We're monotheistic, but it's still one God and three persons. Love the Lord your God. Teach them diligently to your kids. Now, I want to give you a little clip. Came all the way from Joss, Nigeria. Who gets an archbishop to send him a clip? We did it for you guys. Um, he and Mama Gloria have prayer every morning with 74 kids that they've adopted. I mean, they don't just have them on the, on the range over here. They're actually in their home, and they get up every morning at some outrageous hour, and they sing, and they read scripture, and they teach their kids to memorize scripture. I wish I could show you some of those. There's one girl, age 11. She did the entire genealogy of Jesus, and I'm like, wait a minute. She's a She's in a country where they kill Christians, where the Muslims are killing Christians. She doesn't have hardly anything. She was an orphan, and she has devoted herself to learning God's word. Wow. So let's run the clip. I want you to see these kids, and Ben's going to tell you why they do it. Hello, family at uh, Church of the Holy Spirit, Bishop Fig and all. This is the Kwashi family, and we want to share with you how we raise our children using the scriptures. And I'll ask Gloria to explain. Well, we wake up very early in the morning and we pray, we read the scriptures, we explain what that means and encourage each other to um, apply the scriptures to our lives. We also encourage the children to memorize and to apply the scriptures still into their lives. When we go to school, we do the same thing. When we are eating, we do the same thing. We pray, we sing, and after meals, we thank God still for the provision. And in school, when we come back in the evening, we pray again, we read scriptures. Ben loves to sing with the children, we sing. Songs are also part of what helps us. The regimentation with scriptures and prayers is what has helped us thus far. Well. We believe that the only way to raise children is to refer back to the manufacturer's manual, the Bible. Deuteronomy says we should teach our children and teach succeeding generations. And believe me, when you grow old, you will not regret it. Proverbs says, train up a child where he should go. And when he grows up, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, 6. And there's no other way than to do it the manual way. And that's the way we do it. And if you do it, you save yourself a lot of heartaches in old age. Children, say hi. hi. Amen. Friends, what I'm telling you is these kids know God's word. And, and why? Did the, 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 what do you call it? The uh, tooth fairy sprinkle dust on them? Did it just happen? Ben and Gloria have already raised their kids. They go, hey, man, we've been there, done that. But they've opened their lives for kids that are not even their biological children, but now are their adopted children, they all have Kwashi. If you go to Joss, Nigeria, everybody's named Kwashi. It's like 200 kids named Kwashi. Um, 
But I just wanted to use that as an encouragement, like if they can do it, you can do it. We just have to make time. That's it. It's really a priority thing, isn't it? So let's go into the scriptures. We're in Deuteronomy 6. It starts out like this. Now, uh, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. Okay, first of all, we want to look back. What did, what did Moses, God through Moses, just give the people in Deuteronomy 5? Go ahead, say it bold. It's not a trick. The Ten Commandments, right. So he goes, now, th- this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you so that you may do them in the land to which you're going over to possess it. And so that you may fear, really, that's have a holy reverence for the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all of his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life, so that, so that what? So that your days may be long. So what I'm trying to, well, what the Lord's trying to drive home is his commandments are not burdensome. They're our life. Like we are to hide his word in our heart. And he actually wants us to do them. Not so we'll be saved. Not so he'll love us more. Because Ephesians 2 is very clear. It's by grace you're saved and this not of yourself. But then it says in verse 10, he's appointed uh, to, uh, for us to walk in good works. Those good works only happen after your son or daughter, not before. But there are good works he wants us to walk in. And one of those is discipling and training our children that they may know the Lord. Is there anything more sad? If you love Jesus, if you're you're a parent or grandparent, would there be anything more sad to you that your own bone of your bone, flesh of your flesh, your own progeny, your own children did not love the Lord you loved? Or that you wake up and your grandkids don't know the Lord at all? Not only do they not love him, they don't even know him. Friends, like, we're, we're seriously, just one generation. There's no great, 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 you know. You either instruct your kids, point them to Christ as you're walking through life, or they probably won't know that Jesus. Here's the problem. It says God gives us commands, tells us to walk in them, to do them, so that our days may be long. What's the problem with that? Well, we don't like people telling us what to do. So, you know what? Hey, God, appreciate it. I'm going to go find me a God that doesn't require me to do anything. I'm going to go find me a God, kind of like James and John last week we were talking and to Jesus, and they go, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. We, we, we want to find a God that's an Aladdin's lamp, that's a concierge. And God says, no, I'm God, you're not. You listen to me. You follow my ways. My ways are higher than your ways. The bottom line is we don't like people telling us what to do, um, but sometimes we need God's commands. He says of his own word, his own law, that it's, that it's a light and a lamp. So if you don't have any of God's word, if you're not taking it in, it's not that you're a bad Christian. You're just a Christian that's going to bump into a lot of walls. You're a Christian that's going to pierce yourself with many griefs. That's why the Father gives us commands, not for performance to measure you on a chart, so that you can be close to him and so he can spare you a lot of grief. All right, let's go. So then it says in verse 3, is that right? Verse 3. I hate it when I print these things on front and back. Verse 3, it says, Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it, that it may go well with you. See the love of God there? 
and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey, that it may go well with you, that it may go well with you. And then he picks up in verse 4, which is kind of the verse in the Shema. The Shema is the prayer that all Jews say every time they gather for worship. It is their version of our Lord's prayer, right? The Shema. Every Jew knows it. Here, listen. Listen. Pay attention, Jews. Listen. The Lord, the Lord our God is one. And that's exactly what it says in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so there are three things in that. The first thing is that we're to listen. Are you listening? Are you listening? When's the last time you just shut up in the presence of the Lord? There's a time to tell God all about it, but there's also a time to be quiet. When's the last time you just sat before the Lord and said, Lord, you speak to me. You instruct me. So the first thing is hear. Hear, O Israel. The next one is the Lord is our God. See, all the pagans, they had these impersonal gods. In fact, they're so impersonal they couldn't speak. They couldn't do anything because they're made of human hands. But what, what they're saying in the Shema is, for Israel, the Lord is our God. He's not just a God out there. He's actually our God. There's a relationship, a real relationship. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God. And then it goes on and get, gets theological. It says, the Lord is what? There's one. So there's, there's, not, there's not a million gods, Right? We don't believe in reincarnation. You're not going to come back as a God. You're not going to come back as a lizard. You're not going to come back as a tree. There's one God, only one. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Now, why might that be a problem when you read the Shema, when you read Deuteronomy 6? If you're a Christian and you read that, you would agree with it, but there's a little problem. What's the problem? God in three persons. Blessed Trinity, the Trinity. The word Trinity is never found in the Bible. But it doesn't have to like beat you over the head. It's in there. It's kind of like stuff you put in soup and you can't see it, but it's still in there. It's there, y'all. It's there. The Lord, you know, the, the Shema is right. The Lord our God is not many gods. It's one God. And the mystery of the Godhead is that God is revealed to us in the New Testament and a little bit in the Old Testament, but mainly in the New Testament, God is Father, God is Son, God is the Holy Spirit. God is Father. Nobody seems to have a problem with that. God is Father. They know that. Um, the next one's a little tougher for some people, that Jesus is God. And what I will tell you is this. If you actually read the New Testament, you'd be hard-pressed to come away and not thoroughly believe that Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. Jesus said, I am the expressed image of the Father. If you've seen the Father, you've seen me. Jesus used the I am statements, which of course is the name for God. He was claiming so directly and so clearly to be God that they killed him. That's how clear it was. Now, as I told you, there are whisperings in the Old Testament. If you have the eyes to see, let me give you a couple and we'll do it real fast. Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, that sounds kind of singular, doesn't it? Except the word in Hebrew is Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Elohim, friends, is not singular, but it is plural. In the beginning, Elohim, plural, created the heavens and the earth. Foreshadowing. 
Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image. Let us, plural, make man in our, plural, image. Do you see the whispering? Genesis 3.22, the Lord God said, behold, man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Genesis 11.7, I think this was around the Tower of Babel. Do you remember that one? It says, come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they might not understand one another's speech. Let us, plural. Uh, Isaiah, we've got two more. Isaiah 6.8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? That's singular. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us, plural? So do you see the singularity and the plurality of God? One God in three persons? Now, it doesn't say one God in three persons, but it's enough for you to get the idea. It's a whispering, it's a foreshadowing until Jesus reveals it more fully. I think there was one more I want to share with you. Uh, oh, yeah, here it is. Isaiah 9, 6. We read this every Christmas Eve. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So the Lord speaking by the Holy Spirit through the prophet Isaiah said there is a child that will be born, right? He's not talking about God the Father. There's a child that will be born, and it says he's going to be a son, and the government will be on his shoulders, hmm. and he will be a wonderful counselor and a mighty, a mighty what? A mighty God. Do you know how blasphemous that would be if it were not true? They would have stoned him to death. He's saying that there's one that's going to be born that will be a mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so, friends, there it is. God is one, right? But he's also Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the fellowship of the Trinity. Now we push on. So we know those theological things. That's great. Number five, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. What is the, what's the key word in that phrase? You shall do what? Thank both of you who are awake. <laughs> Seriously, you shall do what? See, that's the thing, evangelicals, we're so cognitive. We're so cognitive that we just think like, let's go to seminary for 12 years and put facts in our heads and then we can wow people with our knowledge. You know what, there are a lot of people who know Greek and Hebrew who could school all of us tied together in all these fine facts. They can speak Ugaritic and all kinds of crazy Near Eastern languages, but they don't love the Lord. They don't even know him. And what God's saying is, I don't want to just have your head filled with facts. I want it to lead to something, and the something that it's supposed to lead to is a relationship where you love me back. We love because he first loved us. Amen. All right, let's go to verse 7. Now, this is really my focus point. You can have a lot of focus points here. This is the one I chose today. It says, you shall diligently teach them, or you shall teach them, what's them? The laws and commandments that God gave, right? Deuteronomy 5, the Ten Commandments. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you arise. In other words, the first thing is that we are to teach our children. I don't know what happened. I think it was around 1920. Somebody invented Sunday school. 
which was great, except for it became a dumping ground for parents to go, whoo, glad we got a professional. Thank God for Will. Will's going to be the spiritual father of every kid that graces the doors of this church. Friends, it's impossible. It's impossible. He's actually called parents to be parents. I was raised by a single mother, and so there's, there's no harm, no foul. If, you, you know, if you're a single parent, praise God for you. Praise God for you. You have the ability, even as busy as you are, that God will magnify your time and give you the grace to speak these words of life to your children. Teach them diligently to your children. I doubt many of us, when our kids are grown, will say, you know what? I wish I had spent less time with my children. I wish I had spent less time reading the scriptures with my children. I wish I had spent less time on my knees praying with my children, rubbing their back, praying with them. Very few parents go, gosh, I wish I had spent less time. In fact, we, most of us say, I wish I spent more time. And it's not just that we sit our kid in the chair and we do catechism and stuff like that. Jesus says, you're to teach them diligently, but how shall you teach them diligently? There's a way that actually works with kids. Better than sitting them in a chair and drilling them. That doesn't work too well. Especially if they're attention enriched. Like moi. <laughs> Jesus says, teach them as you're walking through life. Right? Like today, I could go, hey, guys, you see the mountains? They're pretty awesome. They're going to be even more awesome in about two days. Do You see the colors there? They're beautiful. But, you know, they're dying just like the grass of the field. You know, the grass of the field that was green and early on in spring, maybe even in the summer if you watered it, the grass is dying. The flowers are going to fade. The leaves are going. And it's true with our lives as well. You use little teaching points like that. Uh, Jesus said, consider the lilies of the field. Right? Consider the lilies of the field. I find it so funny, but what he's doing is he's just walking through life and using regular examples. He says they neither toil nor spin. They don't work. And yet not even King Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like these lilies. And so we teach our children diligently God's word, but instead of just drilling them uh, in a chair for, you know, 10 minutes, do it as you're walking through life. The scriptures that you read God will give you the ability as you see things to share those with your children. Let me give you a quote. Um, J.I. Packer was a very famous Anglican. He's a very famous Christian. He was a godly man. And J.I. Packer is reported to have said this. If we don't instruct our children, the devil will. Like he's, he was an older man when he said this, a wise older man. He says, if we don't instruct and catechize our children, the devil will, and in fact, he's already at work. Now, you may go, catechize, what's that? That sounds like getting carterized. Sounds like a negative thing. Catechize just means sit down and open God's word and teach your kids the way of the Lord. Teach them God's word. And so we have a choice. We can either step into that gift or we can let Will do it all. But what I'll tell you is Will doesn't have time to do it all. Do you know the average kid especially a teenage kid, do you know how much time the average child, according to what I read this week, how much time does the average teenager spend on their phone? A day. Seven hours a day. Right? Seven hours a day. And then if you add in movies and video games and all that, so they're getting catechized, they're getting instructed, they're getting values, they're getting a worldview, and if you think you can drop your kid off here twice a month, we actually meet all four weeks, do you know that? We do. But if you just drop your kid off 
like twice a month, and you, you know, and I know they have life groups for kids and other things in Sunday school, but we, we're not really into that. But if you just drop them off, then they're going to have about this much truth to fight this much error. And so really, do you see, it has to be the mother or the mother and father. It has to be the parents or parent. It has to be. If not, your kids will not know God's ways. They won't know him if it's all dependent on will. God never intended Will to be the concierge of the hotel where you drop your kid off and say, hey, Will, could you do that spiritual thing with my kid? It's us. It's us. And so we have a decision to make. Either we can step into it or we can't. We can step into it or say, nope, I'm not going to do it. But be, be sure of this. There is a serious cost for not stepping into that role. And maybe if you're older and you say, well, my kids are gone, so are the Quashis. Their kids are all raised. They're doing great. They're doctors, lawyers, and Indian chiefs. And in their old age, they have, what, 75, 74 kids in their family, 500 at school. And they're like, they may not be our biological kids, but they're our kids because they're his kids. And so this, they're teaching them diligently God's word. Verse 8. I wouldn't have time for verse 8. Okay, that's all right. Let's, uh, let's go to the close. Remember I said I was going to tell you something, and then we're going to unpack it, and we're going to restate it. Number one, we worship the one, one true God, a God that's not made by human hands. He commands us to keep his commands, not to earn favor, but so that it may go well with us. That's truth. Number two, we are also commanded to love the Lord. All the facts, all the religion, all the spirituality, if you don't love the Lord, you're a clanging, what is it, a Help me, y'all. <laughs> Clanging symbol, right? Right, it, does, it counts for nothing. If you don't love him, that's the whole point. That's the whole point of the story. He loves us so that we might be able to love him back. And one of the chief ways we love God is to keep his commands. And one of the chief way, uh, commands he wants us to keep is that we would step into the role of instructing our kids. Or if you don't have any kids, step into the kids God's appointed to you. Those ones he's put in your basket, so to speak. So my question is this. What are you doing now to instruct your kids in God's word? What are you doing? Or, let's be honest, have you just decided I'm going to drop them off somewhere and let Will do it or the pastor do it? It's not enough. God didn't appoint us to be their parents. He appointed you. He didn't appoint us to be their God. Uh, grandparents he appointed you and what I'm telling you friends is J.I. Packer's right if we don't instruct our kids in God's ways the devil will and in fact he's already at work rise up rise up rise up in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit